it's the best Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite to have ever happened in the history <laughs> of the world because we're Super Bowl champions. I still can't believe this. Look at this. We got our little matching hats. You got your little program back there. This is just, I'm still not over it. I'm not over it. I'm not going to be over it for a long time. And I'm just, we're going to revel in this. And I love that we now don't have to do the whole 24 hour rule. There's no next game we are worrying about right now. We're just going to revel in this forever and ever. And it is wonderful. So I'm sure there are a lot of questions and comments and thoughts and everything that you guys have. And we are here for it. So put it underneath the live video in Facebook if you're not already watching there. And that is where I will get some of the questions from. Um, I guess first, as we give people a chance to start doing that, I just want to hear some of your initial thoughts and takeaways from the game. And in terms of we'd talked so much about how it was going to go and what we thought it was going to look like. And so what were the things that you expected that you didn't expect and, and stood out to you? Well, Todd Bowles is getting a lot of credit, rightfully so, from a lot of different directions. And one of the favorite things that I heard Bruce Arians say after the Super Bowl is uh, Todd got a little tired of hearing about how great and unstoppable Patrick Mahomes and company were. And uh, he he devised a plan to do something about it. And, and that's one of the things that really sticks out to me is um, – not only did the Buccaneers prove themselves as the best football team on the planet, on the field, the players did so well, but it also revealed how talented this coaching staff is. The game plan on both sides of the ball and on special teams coach Arian says was just fantastic. Uh, and, and the players executed it. They went in confident. It's there. Are, people commonly ask me um, for similarities and differences between this Super Bowl team and the, the one in 2002. And I think that's one of the really uh, really strong comparisons between the two is that they both went into that game extremely well prepared as it turned out, as, as evidence eventually showed. And they both went in extremely confident because of how well prepared they were. And that ended up being, you know, two blowouts because of it. The Buccaneers have only played two Super Bowls and yet they have almost as many wins by 20 or more points as any other team ever. San Francisco has three of them. Dallas has two and the Bucs have two. And, and those are the only teams with multiple wins so in both times the Buccaneers have played in the Super Bowl, they faced the team that ranked first in the league in total offense that season and somehow completely shut them down. So, um, yeah, again, incredible job by the Bucs coaches and then the players executed it. Yeah, I was thinking about how happy I was the game wasn't closer because I was still <laughs> freaking out and nervous the whole fourth quarter, even with that kind of a lead. And it made me realize that my poor little heart would not have handled a nail-biting game. So I was very thankful for that for just my sanity purposes. Um, and this is perfect because this next question actually leads into uh, something I know that we had wanted to talk about is, you know, yes, we are going to continue to revel in the win, but I'm sure everyone immediately starts thinking about next year and who are we keeping and all the players in the draft and all that stuff immediately kicks in now. And especially once you hear people like Bruce Arians and everyone else at the parade talking about we're going for two, we're going for two. Yeah. <laughs> um, so everybody starts talking immediately about going for two and what that's going to look like. So Mike had asked, um, what do you, or who was, oh, I lost, there we go. Anthony asked, uh, when will we know who all they are keeping? So let's look at some of the people that there's a reason to worry about whether or not we will keep them. And, and when are we going to know some of the things about what this team could look like? Well, we know that they want to keep as many of them as possible. And um, we have, of course, heard from people like Shaq Barrett and Rob Gronkowski and Levante David, people saying they want to come back. You still have to make it work. But the good thing is you're starting from a, a point where both teams are motivated to find a way to make it work. Uh, yeah, when you win the Super Bowl or even play in the Super Bowl, your offseason becomes very compressed. And the Buccaneers turn around now, and it is about 12 days, I think, until you can start putting franchise tags on guys. 
And then free agency starts on the 17th of March after that uh, three-day legal tampering, as they call it, period where you can contact players, agents um, from 15th through the 17th. So it's right upon us. And I think by now people know generally the, the big names that are that right now are not under contract for 2021. Chris Godwin, Levante David, Shaq, Indomitian Sue, um, Gronk. Gronk. Yeah, there's there's actually about 20 of them, but those are probably the biggest names. And uh, that's a lot of work to do. It really is. But again, we have people motivated on both sides to get it done. So I'm pretty optimistic, especially after they found a way last year. It's tougher because the salary cap is going to be lower than you would have expected a year from a year ago from now. So uh, it, it's not going to be easy, but th I think they'll find a way to get most of that done. Yeah, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the parade shenanigans uh, yesterday was that um, every time, you know, one of the players would take the mic, who was one of those people who we don't know about the contract situation, BA would go up and basically steal the mic and be like, in using some colorful language, say they weren't going anywhere, um, which I really enjoyed. And he said that became the, the common refrain every time you ain't going anywhere, you ain't going anywhere. And I was thinking about how like, everyone that has to deal with the salary cap was probably just sitting there like, oh, great. Like, so good that we're... Yeah, you know, I have to do the actual work, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, I, I, there was quite a bit of colorful language. There was, yeah. yes. Yeah. I think to say that they were a little loose, <laughs> it was very entertaining. I will I will definitely say that. Um, but yeah, and you could tell everybody loved it. Um, and related to the idea of who's going to be back, Jermaine asked, do you see uh, Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles still being here next year well yeah because the the coaching the, the coach hiring period is pretty much done now um we both know that those guys deserve a lot of attention and i think it's only a matter of time but it sure seems and you don't we we always talk about it this way because we would love todd bowles and byron leftwich to get everything they want and that may be a head job somewhere and that'll be great when and if it happens. But until it happens, it's obviously good for the Buccaneers that those guys are still around. So it looks like for the most part, the Buccaneers coaching staff will be intact next year. And I was just talking about how talented that staff is. So that's a good thing for the Buccaneers. It is. That is that is very important. Um, Eric asked, do you see us drafting a quarterback to learn from Brady to prepare for the future? Yeah, it's possible. Um, and, and there are. Uh, a lot of quarterbacks that could go in the first round in this year's draft. I've, I've seen mock drafts with up to five of them. So <clears throat> I'm not sure of the depth behind that. Um, you know, it, it kind of, I don't think you force that kind of thing. You know, they were talking about potentially doing it last year if, if it fell out right and it just didn't really fall out right. Um, and the other thing about that is, as is often the case with a Super Bowl winner, um, the, the, the roster is pretty loaded, uh, especially if we can get most of those guys we we're just talking about back. So you can go into that draft with a little bit of leeway. You don't have, like last year, I feel like we had to get a tackle. You know, they, they traded up just to make sure they didn't miss Tristan Morris. And uh, I don't have a feeling about any particular position this year, especially if we get some of those free agents back. And uh, Alex asked, do you think we'll franchise tag Godwin or Levante? Um. You know, I, I would say it's similar to last year when you had to get Shaq or you, you certainly really wanted to get Shaq and JPP and Indomitian Sue back. And, you know, you did some of it with signings and some of it, one of it with a tag. And um, so, yeah, I could definitely see, I don't want to, I don't want to say for sure which guy, whether it's uh, Chris Godwin or, or Levante or somebody, but 
I could definitely see us using that tag and hopefully it would work out the way you want it to. It didn't really work out with Shaq. And he said several times that it had a lot to do with the pandemic and it was just hard to get anything going on that front. And so they never got the long-term deal done that they wanted to do. But if we end up say using a tag on Chris Godwin, hopefully it's just sort of that bridge to extend the contract, you know, the exclusive negotiating time so that you can then end up with a long-term contract. Yeah. I mean, it, it is crazy to remember how, um, much was going on last off season that made contracts and decisions about the future challenging of you had the pandemic and they were still negotiating the new collective bargaining agreement. Right. And I mean, there was just so much happening that had nothing to do with how much you would want to keep a player or not. And I think that hopefully this off season, there's just a lot more certainty in general about things that'll make it more about the, the business of your team and less about all these other factors that you can't control. Well, um, it, for instance, at a point last year, we weren't even sure if the new CBA was going to include franchise tags, or I should say if they were going to get the new CBA done, because they did, if they didn't in the final year of the CBA, there wouldn't be franchise tags. So yeah, there was a time last year around now when we weren't even sure if we we're going to have that option. And, and obviously it was a good thing in the end that we did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had a question about who do you think would be the priorities. Uh, Richard had asked if we can't re-sign everybody, who do you think are some of the priority people in terms of if you're, if you're limited on bringing back everybody? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I actually answered this in a mailbag yesterday, so I'm kind of ready for a question like this. Um, it's hard to rank those guys because you don't want if you don't put Chris Godwin at the list, it feels weird if you don't put him at the top of the list because it's hard to imagine not having Chris Godwin back. Uh, you know, same thing if you don't put Levante at the top of the list, et cetera. But what, what I actually did was look at, say, replaceability and position scarcity. And to me, the two guys that would be toughest for us to lose. And, and again, I, I would beat the drum as loud as anybody to get Chris Godwin back. So I, please don't interpret this as me saying it's, that's not important. But the toughest guys to lose would be Levante and Shaq. Um, you know, Chris Godwin is a fantastic, awesome receiver, but we do have a lot of receiving depth and there is also a lot of receivers that are going to be on the market this year. So you don't want to have to replace Chris Godwin again, please. But if you do have to, it's probably easier than finding a replacement for an incredible edge rusher like Shaq Barrett. They're just really hard to find, especially when you're picking 32nd in the draft. And it's hard to find, it's hard to imagine that you could, you could probably draft an inside linebacker at 32nd, but how quickly could he be as good as Levante David? And right now, the fact that you have Devin White and Levante David in the middle of that defense is just it it's incredible you saw what they did in the super bowl and they're just devin white is just getting better and levante david is just staying as good as he's always been and so to not have that in the middle of your defense i think would be difficult to replace so to me it's those two guys that are the priorities um matt had brought up uh wasn't ryan suck up on a one-year deal and if so yep. dps bringing him back yeah, he's another one that I didn't bring up as I was trying to think of all of them. He is on a one-year deal. He is yet another free agent that you have to try to bring back. And I would think since uh, he made, I think, 36 of 39 field goals kind of in the playoffs, I would think he'd be pretty motivated to bring him back because he gave you what you've been looking for for about a decade, and that's consistency at that position. And in the end, that ended up proving very, very important. It was You look back at that, and it was kind of a sudden thing right before the week before the regular season last year. And, uh, but it proved to be a very important move. And we had a question about OJ Howard. Uh, Elton was asking about what his situation is going to be. And I don't know if he means in terms of health or contract or both, but so I figured I'd just ask both. Yeah, well, fortunately, I mean, an Achilles tendon tear is not, is not a fun injury to come back from, and it does take some time, but it happened really early in the season. So I'm, I'm sure that they expect him to be ready for next year. And he is under contract 
because the Buccaneers did pick up the fifth year option on his um, on the contract that he got as a first round draft pick. So, the, you know, that does not <clears throat> force the Buccaneers to keep him in 2021, but he certainly was off to a really nice start last year. And it would be assuming we can get Rob Gronkowski back. It would be interesting to see how those two could operate together on the field because it looked good at the beginning of the year. Um, and we had some questions about uh, the draft now in terms of uh, this will be the latest the Bucks have been picking uh, for, for quite a while now. So knowing where their pick is going to be, how does that potentially change the way that the draft is approached when, you know, in recent years we've been picking, you know, in the, in the top 10 pretty early and, and now we're all the way at the bottom for a very good reason. Yeah. The Super Bowl champ always picks last and the Buccaneers had the 32nd pick. Uh, in 2003, but they didn't really have the 32nd pick because they had traded their first round picks in 02 and 03 to the Raiders in the deal to get John Gruden. So uh, they didn't actually make a pick in that draft till 64, which I think was Dwayne White. Um, this time the Buccaneers do have that pick. So right now they're scheduled to pick 32nd. Um, it, I, just, I think what it does is just you really have to layer on your contingency plans a lot more because you and I can't predict and they can't predict who's going to still be available at 32. Um, but we have actually made the 32nd pick before years and years ago. It just wasn't a first round pick at the time because there weren't 32 teams. But um, the latest the Bucks have ever picked in a first round was 31st when they traded up for Doug Martin in 2012. And that brings me to the idea of <clears throat> not only at sitting at 32 and with the loaded roster, are you really probably in a better best player available situation than you've been in a long time, but you're probably also sitting in a spot where you could trade back. You know, I mean, if you could get, if you could turn that 32 into a couple seconds and the way that, um, you know, Jason light and company have been drafting lately in those second and third rounds, that'd probably be a good move. Yeah, that's a great point. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us on Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks for all those amazing questions. Thanks for being incredible fans throughout this entire Super Bowl run. And we'll see you guys next week. Let's go for two.